Hello, and welcome to the From My Cup podcast. Here, we dive into the gracious overflow of God's great wisdom within the Word. So from God's cup to ours, and from our cup to yours, we welcome you to this conversation between friends. So, acceptable worship. Yeah, we had uh, we had talked about worship last week, and we dove into the importance of it, which, as I said last week, and as I said to you earlier, was something that on a personal level I had really discounted in my life. So I was excited when you said, we should do a podcast on worship. And I was like, yes, we should. I really want to <laughs> dive into that because it's something that... Being a not musically inclined person, I had, Mm -hmm. I think, really neglected in my life. Mm. And as we dove into understanding what worship was, I think we found that it's not so reliant on music anyway. I I think we had found that it was um, in in strong connection with the way that we live our life Mm -hmm. and the way that we conduct ourselves. Mm. And I don't know why that kind of surprised me. Um, and all the more so when I did this study, because as we had done that study and as we talked about it, we came across this scripture, let us offer to God acceptable worship. Mm-hmm. And we were like, well, now I really want to dive into what is acceptable worship, mm-hmm. because for some reason, I, th- I feel like that didn't jump out to us until we started talking about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so it was very spur of the moment that we were like, well, let's let's dive into that more let's do a two-parter and figure out what is acceptable worship Mm. I think like all things that we kind of get comfortable in like especially with church like we cut we get into a rhythm and we know what to expect we worship but we don't really think about why and I think I wanted to challenge our the comfortable place that there seems to be in in worship that we should think of it Mm -hmm. more deeply and Think about what how scripture talks about God and why and how we need to be worshiping him. Yeah, I think um, there's this kind of attitude towards it where I think worship is handled too loosely. And I, I don't want that to come across as freely because absolutely we should be handling worship freely. We have been given full access through Jesus Christ. And it's, you know, we see over and over again that it's it's a lifelong thing, you know, living your life in worship. So it should be handled freely, but it should be handled with a great deal of reverence. I mean, it says right there, let us offer to God acceptable worship in reverence and awe. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the point that we really wanted to talk about last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, how necessary that is. And I think this week we kind of want to talk about how we go about that. And I know that when I did my study on this, I found stuff largely in the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And what I found was very repetitive and very straightforward. It was almost like a list. And I've been really intrigued by that. I really liked the way it was written. And that's a really good place to start. (laughs) Yes, I will start with Deuteronomy chapter 26, verses 10 and 11. A little bit of backstory to this because it is kind of confusing without a little bit more context. So in this uh, part of Deuteronomy, they have, I'm not quite sure, I didn't 
it was a very long story, so pardon me for not diving into context as deeply as I could have. It was the first scripture I found, and I really wanted to find more, so I didn't spend kind of enough time to get a really clear vision of where this is in the timeline. But they had either just entered the promised land, or they had finally gotten to where they were going to enter the promised land. And so God is giving the writer of of this passage his laws and he's setting out his laws for the land that he's given them. Um, and in this particular chapter, he commands the people to go into the land, which he has given them to offer sacrifice to the priest and to say this to them. And now behold, I have brought the first fruits of the land, which you, O Lord have given me. Then you shall set it before the Lord, your God and worship before the Lord, your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given to you and your house, you and the Levite and the stranger who is among you. And I had talked to you about this a little bit earlier, um, about how the the chapter goes on to talk about uh, providing for the Levite and the stranger who is among you. And he's talking to the, the Israelites, he's talking to the people as a whole. So he's talking to them about going in, taking the land, and it's a land overflowing with milk and honey. And he says to praise God for his provision on behalf of themselves and also to the to the Levite and the stranger who is among them. So the other people that had come to live with them, um, that had dedicated themselves to the Lord. I know that um, during this time of them taking the promised land, they had acquired other people who had said, truly this god is the true god and had dedicated themselves to the lord and had mm-hmm. gone in and, and become god's people with the israelites and yet still at this point in the old testament there's still some very heavy lines drawn between the hebrews and the gentiles so if i'm not very much mistaken that's the context for this so he says mm-hmm. to rejoice for themselves for your household and for the levite and for the stranger who is among you And in the rest of the chapter, I had kind of speed read it, and um, he goes on to tell them to provide for the Levite and the stranger who was among them, because God had given them such abundance in the promised land. They were overflowing with everything that they had, and thank the Lord for it, and to use what he had given to them for themselves, their household, for the Levite and the stranger who was among you. And I thought that that was really really interesting. It made me think of today. It's always like threefold with all of these stories because God's so good and the way he cra- the way he crafts. But thinking of like Moses leading them and and eventually Joshua bringing them in into the the new land was like Jesus bringing into the new self and the new covenant. And what mm-hmm. and what we do now is that we disperse grace and we and that's what we have to share and to give out (laughs) yeah yeah we're uh, commanded to provide for those around us and to offer up thanks on their behalf i really i really liked that that part and you shall rejoice in every good thing which the lord has given to you your house you and the levite and the stranger who is among you i i really liked that you know that we're meant to rejoice on each other's behalf 
And I think that's easily forgotten, you know? Maybe it's just me that easily forgets that. <laughs> Maybe that's a personal problem. <laughs> I think it's probably a strong uh, theme. <laughs> it's a it's a missing a missing uh, a, uh, practice throughout. Because yeah, I certainly know that it's missing in mine, <laughs> and I feel like a lot. Mm. There's a lot of Christians that feel very isolated now nowadays. And yeah. And I know that we we're going to later dive into joy and sorrow and in mm-hmm. in this Christian walk, I guess, and how we experience that, how we have so much to rejoice in in the Lord, and how much yeah overflow there is that we can also disperse, <laughs> we can also hand out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just. It's something that's been observed by pretty much everyone, I think, like psychologists everywhere are saying that we're living in a pandemic of loneliness. I've heard that term used a lot. And it's very accurate. I think I think a lot of people, especially in our nation, I can't really speak towards other cultures. I suspect that they're a little bit less lonely because their lives still depend so much on each other. And I think the way that our lives have been set up, especially with all of this technology, it's so easy to be isolated. And I think most of us are, you know, pretty much our age and younger, I think we all feel extremely isolated. And all the more so if you're following God, because to follow God sets you apart already. And I think, you know, that was how we came up with that, this strong desire for communion and the assembly. Mm -hmm. And it just ties in with that as well. You know, that we, I think we are missing out on rejoicing. Even together. With each other and on worshiping, yeah, yeah and on worshiping God together that on was, each other's behalf. Yeah, that's a big theme, too, uh, that we found in in other scriptures that we had brought up in the past podcast. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there's a part of the singing hymns and spiritual songs together that is such a blessing within itself. Yeah. Um, other than what we're focusing now, which is like the worship of God and mm-hmm. what's acceptable. How to do it. Yeah. And for reasons that are not ourselves, I guess. Okay. So the next scripture I found was in First Chronicles chapter 16, verses 29 through 36. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come before him. O worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. The world also is firmly established. It shall not be moved. Let the heaven rejoice and let the earth be glad. And let them say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Let the sea roar in all its fullness. The field rejoice and all that is in it. Then the trees of the Lord shall rejoice before the Lord, for he is coming to judge the earth. O give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. And say, Save us, O Lord of our salvation. Gather us together and deliver us from the Gentiles. To give thanks to your holy name, to triumph in your praise. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. There's so much in that scripture to unpack (laughs) yeah and to dive into there's so much in it that 
struck me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the biggest thing that I, jumps out at you is just that first line. Give the Lord the glory due to his name. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I had um, I had looked up the definition of worship. Yes. And Google literally defines it as um, worship means to declare worth or to attribute worth in our and in our biblical terms to praise God. We speak or sing about how good and powerful God is. And I think that's a big part of why we are called to worship. Mm-hmm. And I think in the light of this great creation that he has made and in everything and in his fullness, I think it's all there as a reminder of all the reasons and the ways that we should be worshiping him. Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, he brings a lot of it out, you know, just kind of like the majesty and the world that we see, you know, everything that kind of leaves your jaw on the floor when you look at it in nature that exists to praise God. According to the scripture. Mm-hmm. I really love that. I thought it was really beautiful. But yeah, I mean, just to give to the Lord the glory due his name. And as I read through my other scriptures, that's like repeated over and over and over, almost word for word. So much of this is repeated word for word mm-hmm. from completely different authors in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest thing that jumped out to me and I'll I'll get more into it later but was first of all that we're called to give him the glory due his name Mm -hmm. like the such an interesting concept Mm -hmm. I think that was Mm -hmm. I think we talked about that last time our last podcast Mm -hmm. I think that jumped out to us and I think that's why we decided to do this yeah I'm not very much mistaken I don't know if that was actually during the podcast or afterwards when we were just talking it's one of the many but, little reason, oh, reasons that kind of contributed to us being um, interested to do a, an even deeper dive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and how to go about it. Yeah. You know, like we've established that we need to, so how do we go about it, you know? Yeah. And in a lot of these scriptures, it says to give to the Lord the glory that is due his name, but it also... um describes especially in the last one that we were reading how we're first meant to give to god and i found that really interesting i didn't realize that the things that we do in the lord's name is kind of like the prelude to worship or that it is an act of worship Mm. and i don't know why i didn't realize that but maybe i just didn't maybe i just didn't realize that it was a specific command written over and over in the bible but we have up up in um Deuteronomy, the one I read in Deuteronomy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was the beginning of tithes or if tithes had already been going on and that was just the beginning of tithes in the promised land. I don't really know. But that was the beginning of him saying to bring your first fruits of the land. Mm-hmm. And you see over and over in the in the Old Testament, your first fruits and your sacrifice, they were two different things, though they were often done at the same time. Mm-hmm. They were often, you know, kind of joined at the hip. Yeah. And your first fruits was the first 
10% of anything. Right. And we've just kind of attributed that to money in the modern church. (laughs) Yeah. But it was really everything. The first 10% of your efforts, no matter what it was, across the board was brought to God. Mm -hmm. And I I found it so interesting. Like I, I had that pretty solidly in my mind. But I didn't realize that that was consistently the first thing in this list of worship. Hmm. I, like I didn't, I didn't realize that. Like that was the first thing that it says, and then it says to worship God. And yeah. I found that really interesting. And even just in that one scripture, it says to bring, to bring him something, bring him an offering. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, what was also interesting to us that made us go in deeper was the Romans 12, one through two, the, the living sacrifices, holy and pleasing mm-hmm. to God. This is your spiritual worship in that because we are living sacrifices and it's living and continual that there is a spiritual worship that is happening just when you live your life onto the Lord mm-hmm. and that, worship in that way is happening and that we need to be aware of it (laughs) yeah and to do it right and to do it the right way yeah I think one theme which is funny it's so funny to me that this has stood out to me so much because it's I think it's something that I've often brought up in conversations with people Mm -hmm. but for many of the studies that we've been doing um I've been, it's continuously stood out to me how much we're told to do things. Like um, in our, I think it was devotion, our study our study into devotion, where it says to like, to be a doer of the word and not just a hearer only. Mm, yeah. And it's like how much we're, we're called to, you know, if you, if you see your brother, your sister, who's desolate, they're naked, they're hungry, and you say, oh, go be in peace. God bless you, brother. God bless you, sister. And you don't physically do anything. I think it was James. He said that was a complete waste of your time. That was fruitless. Yeah. You needed to have done something. Yeah. And it's so funny because I feel like that's been such a point to me. And yet that stood out to me so much in everything that we've been studying. I guess I didn't realize how widespread it was into everything and that's just really been capturing my attention and it it once again happened with this you know to give unto the lord and it says um to worship the lord in the beauty of holiness and that's that speaks to me of the you know the way that you live your life the things that you do to god the things that you do in his name for the people around you and to be constantly bringing that to him like a tithe and I, I guess it just really, the correlation between the good deeds, quote unquote, that we do, feeling very much like a tithe, and just kind of that concept really has come to my mind, and it's something I've been thinking about a lot, and just, mm-hmm. just really stood out to me during this study. Mm-hmm. I didn't expect to find that, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that that repeats in your, in your next scripture you had, too, the give unto the Lord of glory um the glory and strength give unto the lord the glory do his name is in there again mm-hmm. yeah i'll just read the next two that i have because they're they're very repetitive and then we can kind of talk more about that concept that'd be psalms for you <laughs> yep <laughs> 
So I have Psalm 29, 1 and 2. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord of glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. And then again in Psalm 96, uh, verses 7 through 10. Give to the Lord, O families of the people. Give to the Lord of glory and strength. Give to the, no, I'm sorry. Give to the Lord glory and strength. And that really stood out to me. Give to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. O oh, worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. One thing that really stood out to me was to give to the Lord glory and strength. There's a lot of themes, a lot of themes being repeated. Yes, there is. Like in the Psalm 29, it calls, like, give unto the Lord of glory and strength. Like it, it's telling, it's saying that God is the Lord of glory and strength. But then we have in 96, it says to give to the Lord glory and strength. So I think we're we, we are also required to give our glory and strength. Mm-hmm. That yeah. we should dedicate everything that we do. I think we should, we're meant to live fiercely and boldly and to do our very best in everything that we do. I think there's a healthy level of competition. Mm. Well, cause you're, <laughs> And it's, it's to God. Yeah. Um, I, I know this because of uh listening to debates over like bible translations and stuff because there's this weird wordage that goes on in in hebrews but we have translated um in in hebrew not the book of hebrews excuse me (laughs) but oh yeah it's we have basically translated it to uh love the lord with all your might with all your mightiness it's it was it was hard to translate that into understandable English but yeah mm-hmm. loving the lord with all of your strength and all yeah. of your might i guess in my mind every time i thought about that other than like giving your absolute all to running the race mm-hmm. but attributing the strength and the might that you have and loving him with all of that because he is the lord of he is the Lord of glory and strength. Yeah. He's the one who gave it to you in the first place. Yeah. I think, you know, if you're somebody that's interesting in athletics and you pursue athletics, it's, I think that can be a form of worship. And that's what I got out of this. Like when you pursue difficult things and you discipline yourself to do them well, you have the option of worshiping yourself in that moment which is very tempting or you have the option of that being an act of worship to god and it's so rewarding if you make that and a worship to god if you give him the the glory do his name Mm. from it and that was that was what i got from that when it was give to the lord glory and strength i was like oh Mm. i like that living doing all things unto the lord even even the littlest things, even just your hobbies and the things that you do for you is that is part of that is I think the point that we're coming around to is just if your life is a living sacrifice Mm -hmm. that is holy and pleasing to God, then, then there's a spiritual worship that is happening there. 
Yeah. Yeah, I was really struck by that when you when you read that. You had found that scripture. I don't even remember what we were talking about when we used that scripture. I don't even think it was specifically about that. No, no. But I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Present your body as living sacrifice. This is your spiritual worship. And I was like, wow, I never thought of it that way before. I never realized how much our deeds are an act of worship. And I think that kind of ties in with um, a theme that we've talked about a lot in the in the first few things that we were um, talking about. We talked about who you're communing with, who you're assembling with, how you're going to be assembling with somebody, so make sure it's the right crowd, how you're <laughs> going to be devoting yourself to something, so make sure it's the right things. Right, yeah. And I think kind of with this, you're going to be you're going to be worshiping something. So make sure it's God, make sure mm-hmm. that you're devoting it to him. I wonder, yeah, yeah this is how much or how often that we're um, worshiping ourselves. Yeah. When we accomplish something, cause you had mentioned that in athletics, you can, you have the choice there of either you or God. Yeah. And, and you really know the people that truly attribute it to God and what a blessing those people are. You know, it's like you plant a garden and the garden goes well and you can be like, well, the weather was good for this this year or whatever. And you meet those people that are like, praise God, the garden was great this year. He did it. You know what I mean? And what a smile those people bring to your face. And there's, I want to be one of those people, you know, I love those people. They attribute everything good to God and they make sure they say it out loud. Mm. You know, it's like every single thing they do, they they attribute it to God. And I think that's what we're being commanded to do here. Mm-hmm. You know, from the from how clean you keep your house to having a garden to maintaining your yard to the work that you do to provide for your family, mm-hmm. you know, like athletics, whatever it is, whatever you do to maintain your health, whatever you do to maintain your activity. Right down, right down to your cup of tea to make you feel better. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, if if you're interested in pursuing just how far you can push yourself mentally, how far you can push yourself physically, these things are meant to be an act of worship to God. And we have the opportunity and the obligation to make them an act of worship to God. And I know I needed that reminder. Like I already knew that concept, but like I said, I wasn't expecting to find it so blatantly listed out repetitively as I did when I did this study and then it also says so it's the first thing it says that we've kind of harped on is to give to the Lord the glory do his name and how that's in your life the things that you do and I think it's also in your speech you know when you when you go into worship the first thing that you should do is to give to the Lord the glory do his name to remind him how awesome he is and then it says to bring an offering and come before him. And that offering was consistently a sacrifice for your sins. That's what that's referencing. And now the only offering that we have, the only offering that's good enough is Jesus Christ. So you have to make sure that you're covered in his blood. You have to make sure that he is that offering and you bring him first. Right. And I find it interesting that you give to the Lord, the glory do his name. You give to the Lord of yourself And you bring your sacrifice, you bring your offering, and come before him. Like, that's the order that I've consistently seen 
And I feel like I'm missing a scripture. Just another one confirming that uh, give to the glory, do his name, then bring an offering and come before him. Mm-hmm. For some reason, I thought I had a, like a third one and I don't seem to have a third one here with that particular part in it. But there's just there's this very consistent list of worship that I've found to maybe be that acceptable worship that we wanted to figure out what it was. And it's to bring that offering, which, as I've repeated myself several times, is Jesus Christ. It is his blood. It is his sacrifice, his salvation. That is our living sacrifice that we can come before God. And it says to worship the Lord in beauty of holiness. And that's kind of the next phase. When you worship the Lord, it has to be in holiness. Mm. So I think that that brings us into um, some of my scriptures. Um, I had a lot of them that kind of proved that when we are living sacrifices to God, the pleasing aroma that God gets is actually Jesus. And um, some of the scriptures that I didn't have down on that were like Second Corinthians 2.15 and Philippians 4.18, just to name a few. But I had also had here First um, Peter 2, 1-5, which says, So rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants desire the pure milk, the pure spiritual milk, so that you may grow by it for your salvation, since you have tasted that the Lord is good. Coming to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but chosen and valuable to God, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And the thing that is um, that jumped out to me about this passage was that we are going to be a holy priesthood that offers spiritual sacrifices through Jesus. That he is the living stone. I think the living, a living stone might be a messianic title and not uh, us. I um, If I'm not mistaken, I know that there's like scripture saying that we are like stones that make up his house, like God's house, like just like mm. the analogy that we're his limbs. But I think the living mm-hmm. stone might just be referring to him. I could be mistaken. Though. Yeah, I don't know because, the, yeah, what you pointed out, the way it's written, it really could go either way. Mm-hmm. I know the rejected by men, but chosen as valuable to God. That is said repeatedly about Jesus specifically. But it also says that the way that Jesus was treated is how we're going to be treated. Like Jesus tells us that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't know. So the way that it's written to try and give some context, like I'm like trying to, I think the grammar is trying to give hints, but I'm not sure. So it says, coming to him, comma, a living stone, dash, rejected by men and chosen and valuable to God, dash, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. And I, 
think that it's saying coming to him a living stone who he's the living stone he's the one who is rejected by men but chosen and valuable to god and then we're coming to him as a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to god through jesus mm. and i think that's that's the whole job <laughs> i guess but um that we also have spiritual worship and spiritual sacrifices and they kind of coexist together in how we live our lives both of those jobs i guess mm. i i like where it says um to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable mm -hmm. to god through jesus christ because we had already talked about and established where the Bible says that living your body as a presenting your body, excuse me, as a living sacrifice is your spiritual worship. Mm -hmm. So when you take that and you like apply it here, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices, which is to present your body as a living sacrifice acceptable mm -hmm. to God through Jesus Christ. And once again, establishing that point that I think we both really wanted to make was that Jesus Christ is the sacrifice that we get to sacrifice ourselves to God through. You know, he is he is the mm. the foremost sacrifice. He is our only access to God. And because God God commands us to be perfect as he is perfect, he demands perfection before his presence, and the mm -hmm. only way that we have access to that is through Jesus Christ and we have to put our entire hope in being and lifestyle the way that we live, the things that we do, we have to do it to Christ so that that way we have access to our God that we belong to. Mm. I also think that, um, that that's the condition to worship. Because mm -hmm. a lot of these scriptures too saying like to worship in holiness. Yes. And yeah, it uh, was, it was, um, synonymous you know it never said to worship period it always said to worship in and whichever word it used there my mm -hmm. translation says in the beauty of holiness mm -hmm. i think there's some that say like in the abundance mm -hmm. i know you had read that at some point but i couldn't find it. i actually tried to get that and for some reason i couldn't find it even though i know <laughs> it was written on this page somewhere <laughs> some it's in there i somewhere. couldn't find it yeah <laughs> um and then there's uh, John 4, where Jesus is speaking to the woman on the well, and he says, But the hour is coming and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Mm -hmm. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Mm. And I think that, because when we talk about living in the spirit and being in the spirit we think about the fruits of the spirit which is like the love and the gentleness and the self-control and those yeah. attributes and those attributes and those fruits that we're supposed to be seeing in our lives once we're saved mm -hmm. and i think that living in that is a part of the the spiritual worship as well and that yeah, we kind of I mean, have to gives... be seeking that to worship him yeah, that gives some specifics towards um, presenting your body as a living sacrifice. Yeah. You know, because it's like that, That I think it kind of speaks for itself. I think we all can picture where that's going. But 
you know, if you want to get really technical about it, that can seem vague. But I think like you're saying, the the fruits of the spirit represents what that what that living sacrifice is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. But I think also we would be remiss if we didn't mention just like the practical ways that we can worship God. Yes. Because to just say and to speak and to remind God he's God and he's awesome mm-hmm. and he's gloryful, he's full of glory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gone to Revelation for that because here we are in Revelation in the throne room. And in chapter 4, I'll start at verse 8. It says, Each of the four living creatures had six wings, and they were covered with eyes around and inside, day and night. Day and night they never stopped saying, Holy, 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 Lord God the Almighty, who was and is and who is coming. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to the one seated on the throne, the one who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before the one seated on the throne and worship the one who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne and say, Our Lord and God, you are worthy to receive glory and honor and power because you have created all things and because of your will, they existed and were created. And I think it's probably a pretty good practice if we just did that too. Yeah, (laughs) I think that we're supposed to. I think that's something we need to make a a practice. You know, you had Mm -hmm. said that that worship kind of fell by the wayside, probably not quite in these words, just because of musical and not like big Mm -hmm. into, but just like just saying it. (laughs) Absolutely. There's, there's good things that come from making a joyful noise out of the Lord, but just say it to him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're as terribly musically not inclined as I am, you know, (laughs) I feel like you don't necessarily have to sing, but I, I certainly think we are compelled to sing. I think you should sing whether you can sing or not. Mm Yeah. I understand not wanting to do that in a group because, I, you know, I understand. But absolutely, I think we should, you know, we're, we're meant to speak these things out. That's, that's um, written out pretty plainly throughout the scriptures, the importance of saying that. And I love uh, what we had read, how it says, to give to the Lord the glory due his name. And that is definitely through our speech what we say to him there's power in words you know god created god created this world with words mm. you know, we we can speak into this world many a thing by what we choose to say and and how we choose to believe it yeah and that little should, utter <laughs> yeah we should be using our words to bring glory to god you know just like just like what i had mentioned that person that that gives every good thing to god you know and they say it that's how you know that that person does it, right? And you know when it's genuine and you know when it's forced. And when it's forced, it doesn't last very long. <laughs> you know, so when it's mm-hmm. genuine, that's the person that's always going to be like, man, praise God for this and that. They're genuinely giving it to God. And their act of giving it to God is to speak it. Hmm. There's, there's the 
act of giving it to God by the things that we do, and we can see plainly that we are required to act things out. Mm -hmm. We are also plainly required to give things to God by simply our speech. That simple devotion. I mean, because you can convince yourself of anything, right? Yeah, yeah. We can we can manipulate ourselves in any which way. I actually had uh, kind of a fun conversation about this with a friend of mine, uh, Roland. He's giving me a ride back from practice when my car was broke down. And uh, so he was using his GPS, and every time she gave him a command, he would say, yes, ma'am. And he said, you know, I started, he said, I, I started having to do that because I, when she would tell me to do something, I would jokingly be like, don't tell me what to do. And he said so foolishly, it got to the point that I actually got mad when that voice would tell me what to do. And he said it, it dawned on him one day, how am I foolishly getting mad about this GPS giving me directions? And uh, so he said, so what he had to do is he started saying, yes, ma'am, even when he, even when he would be mad about it. And he said it got to the hmm. point that he wasn't mad about it anymore. You know, it was a GPS, like whatever. Hmm. And I was like, isn't that insane how much we can convince ourselves of? Hmm. We can really manipulate ourselves. And I think that's why the importance of supporting your brothers and sisters in Christ. I actually heard, I actually read this quote. I think it was by um, Spurgeon. And he said, we're not called to be lone wolves. We're called to be sheep and sheep flock together under the protection of the mm -hmm. shepherd. Mm -hmm. And I was like, guilty as charged. You know, that was some, that was some real conviction. That's something God's yeah. really been convicting me on. And that's why I keep on bringing it up, you know, just again yeah. to establish the fact that the reason we're talking about this stuff is because it's stuff that we want to learn. We want to apply to ourselves. We're not trying to point our fingers at anybody else. We're trying to simply edify ourselves by speaking it because you can convince yourself of anything. Hmm. And I think that's the importance of assembling with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Mm -hmm. Because if you're around somebody that you can talk freely about your faith with, you're going to. At least in my experience, you know. Right. If, if I'm, yeah. you know, if I'm in the church and I'm talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ, we're going to get into the meat and bones of the Bible and God. And we're going to start worshiping, worshiping him. We're going to. You know, you and I can't be together alone, just the two of us, for any length of time without the conversation going there. And it's, we yeah. need that. We need to convince. And so the, the importance of speaking it and giving him the glory that is due his name. And the beauty that that happens without ceasing in heaven, as we can see in Revelation. Oh, so one, one quick thing I wanted to say, one quick thought that I had before yeah. I, I give the reins back to you to keep on reading <laughs> <Yeah>. your scriptures. <laughs> I, I don't really have um, much more anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> When it says the beauty of holiness, mm -hmm. that really reminded me of that picture of burning incense to God. Hmm. When in, you know, it says like the, the abundance of holiness, all the words that we found in a couple of different translations speaking on that behalf, it just, it reminded me of that, you know, like it's, it's a beautiful and pleasing thing to him. I know it's been referenced a few times in the Bible where it says, like, I wish I could remember what man it was in the Bible, but it it basically said that his his sacrifices and his um, his faithfulness, his good deeds to God were once again called to remembrance to God. Mm -hmm. It was brought before him and it was it was a pleasing aroma to him. If I'm not very much mistaken, that was the wording for it. I wish I could have found that, but I unfortunately didn't find it in preparation. 
And so he was moved to work on on this man's behalf on something because it was once again brought before him and it was a pleasing aroma to him. And that's, though I think our holiness is, you know, when it says the beauty of holiness, I think that beauty is beautiful to God more than just to us. I mean, I think it's often portrayed as like a dull life to try and live your life in a holy manner. And it's no. often seen as seen, uh, shown as like desolate and boring or whatever. Or, or plain and simple and kind of ugly. And that's not at all the case. There's so much abundance in it. I know I had noted that in um, a scripture that you had read where it said mm-hmm. the abundance of holiness. I, I really liked that it said that. And I think the beauty of holiness, you know, these things are good to us. When you see somebody who, whose life is good, is holy, it's, it's really good. It's really beautiful. It's really abundant. It's really overflowing. And I... I have a suspicion that 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 goes in with sort of the the pleasing aroma to god i imagine that it it burns something Mm. like incense i can't say that that was written in the scripture but that's (laughs) what came to me (laughs) yeah you know it's funny because paul actually goes in the opposite direction sometimes and says like other knowledge is kind of like why (laughs) don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) he goes in the opposite direction so it's like actually on the other end of this there's not why take your time up with any knowledge other than God or mm-hmm. knowledge that is for God? And that it's just kind of like a waste of space and just, just a distraction in your mind. And I Absolutely. think also that we forget that weight, the weight of sin. Yeah. And when you're really free and when you really find mm-hmm. the truth, you realize his 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 yoke is easy and his burden is light yes (laughs) burden what no burden. (laughs) yep (laughs) if you live your life this way there's such a rest and a joy and i think that that's what the sabbath was was supposed to represent and i think that's what hebrews 3 and 4 represents i think it's what our life represents Mm -hmm. and i think that these things have just a great way of painting the picture in the way it's supposed to look and be mm-hmm. um yeah it's such a lie that we're sold that that fear that oh but my life's gonna be boring and i'm gonna miss out mm-hmm. and it's like you're not missing out <laughs> and no. for what like okay yeah your life is boring now okay maybe it's a little dull maybe it's really hard but that's only because you're still in the transition stage. Or <laughs> that's, yeah, because this is a temporary life and we're not supposed to be here. And mm-hmm. and there's so much greatness in eternity that is waiting for us. Literally, just the, the pleasure itself that we are going to get to be mm-hmm. before God himself. like That we're finally going to be perfect and without stain. I think the thing, I forget that I was, like, that I don't consider is, like, oh, yeah, this, the God that I'm doing this for and the God that has done all this for me, I'm going to see his face. That I'm going to get to see him and just be with him. And that Mm -hmm. is enough of a reward within itself. Yeah, that's the true reward. 
Yeah. If all of eternity was just standing before God and saying that over and over again, I'd take it. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. In a heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it all just boils back down to the concept that we've been repeating that these these rules and these, you know, quote unquote regulations, it's not, you know, I'll, I'll say it again. I say it a lot. I'll say it again. It's not like God created this life. It was like, this is the fun stuff and this is the hard stuff. And I want you all to live life on hard mode and go do all the unfun mm. stuff. Like, no, these quote unquote rules and regulations, this is the guidebook to life. Mm. God created this. God created all of the things that you desire in life. He created them to be good. And he said, this is how you maintain their goodness. This is how you maintain me in them, which is the only source of good. And mm. this is how you live a good life. Mm. Everything else is going to lead to chaos and pain. Right, exactly. You know, it's not just whoever sacrifices to me the most and lives the hardest life, you know. It will probably turn into that because of your fellow man. But that's actually only because of us that it's a sacrifice. You know what I mean? Like we're the mm. ones who make it a sacrifice because because we're the ones that made all the chaos in this life. We're the ones that made it possible for there to be evil in this life. It was always possible, but we opened Pandora's box. Well, Satan is the father of lies. He yeah. he he's the one who who sinned first, but man opened, yeah, like you said, Pandora's box and now we're dealing with the consequences of that. Because we, he led us astray. Um, I wanted to circle back to creation just to get that last bit in. Because um, chapter 5 is the lamb ans uh, answering the claim to the scroll. Hmm. Being... Oh, what a moving moment. Yeah, being the I one... I don't think I can ever read that without crying. Yeah. Well, <laughs> neither could John. Because... <laughs> <laughs> One of the elders said to me, stop crying. Look, <laughs> the lion from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has been victorious so that he may open the scroll and the seven seals. Um, and then there's a, a bunch of worshiping that goes on. A new song, a new song. And when he took the scroll, the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp. And the golden bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song. You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slaughtered and you were redeemed and you redeemed people for God by your blood. For every tribe and language and people and nation, you made them a kingdom and priests to our God. And they will reign on the earth. The angels around the throne room. And also the living creatures and the elders. They said in a loud voice, The lamb who was slaughtered is worthy to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And I heard every creature in heaven, on earth, and under the earth, on the sea, and everything in them say, Blessing and honor and glory and dominion to the one seated on the throne and to the lamb forever and ever. And the four creatures said, Amen. And the, and the elders fell down and worship. There are some good reasons to uh, worship right there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And those are some good examples. They, uh, It doesn't say that that's actually worship. 
Because after all that's said, then the elders fall down and worship. And I think that's probably just a lot of giving God glory, telling yeah. him that he's awesome and being rever- and yeah, just professing the fear and the and the reverence that they have. Yeah, it's so interesting that it goes like in that order mm. to give to God the glory to his name and then worship, you know, mm. then br- present your offering and worship. Mm. I, yeah, that's such an such an interesting um, distinguishing mark there that I I definitely hadn't considered mm-hmm. before yeah. doing this study. I think there is a lot <clears throat> to be said for music and worship. There's a very mm-hmm. strong correlation there, <clears throat> and not to make it sound like we're saying that there's none. <laughs> oh I don't no, to come across that no. way at all i think i think in the other podcast we did bring up some scriptures that very much were like sing <laughs> sing yes, yeah absolutely and- it was a real yeah we made a real point of that i think more than we thought we were going to that time around yeah and then i think this time around we're going kind of in again not where we thought we were gonna go but <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean there's there's so much content for the power of singing worship you know one thing that we talked about in the last podcast of worship was how many times when the Israelites, and I I think it was largely under David because he was, he was such a musician and he spent so much of his time focusing on worship through music. Mm -hmm. And so we have a pretty good representation of that through David, but for many of the battles that he went out to fight, there was um there was often you know sacrifice done ahead of time but he would often have the musicians and the worshipers on the front lines they they would go before the armies singing making praise and worship and then they would go and be victorious which is just crazy i mean can you imagine hmm. my job is to play the harp on the battlefield you know? <laughs> it's like it's like you know the drummers in the civil war you know mm. my, jo- my job is to carry the flag my job is to <laughs> drum meanwhile we're being shot at you know like that's pretty scary but they they made a real difference it was very important and in a lot of the times in the old testament battles that was what got them the victory because it was so blatantly done to god when you do it that way so there's certainly some powerful correlation with music yeah. go ahead uh the other thing i was thinking about with david because we had talked about before the um him taking off his kingly robes and dancing around in the street to mm-hmm. god in, in, in an act of worshiping god and in here and at revelation when the elders they they cast their crowns before the mm-hmm. throne and then falling down and worshiping. I think a big part of the the living sacrifice and what it's talking about is this act of really humbling ourselves before God. Yeah. And bringing ourselves low before God because whether we like it or not, there's probably areas in our life where we're not doing that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's this kind of what we have a distaste for with what's going on now and probably like the laxness that's going around worship. I can just think of it as people kind of getting to the judgment seat and getting before God and being like, yep, I'm here. It's me. I'm great. 
and mm-hmm. kind of being like lax even then <laughs> handling the worship of our god very loosely yeah or just yeah not dealing with the sovereignty of god properly i've definitely yeah there i've definitely been to a lot of church services where the worship portion of the church service felt like it was just littered in arrogance <sighs> for sure I mean, obviously, I can't accurately speak to everyone up there, mm-hmm. but I've been to I've been to many a worship service where the focus was truly God, and I've been to worship services where the focus was the worshiper worshiping God, mm-hmm. and it usually presents itself mm-hmm. pretty loudly. And I was glad that you that you brought up that. Um, that they cast off their crowns and that David, you know, cast off his kingly robes. You know, he went out Mm -hmm. in like basically his underwear, it's told, and danced wildly (laughs) in the street before God. Because when I had wanted to mention, that reminded me of this where it says to give to the Lord glory and strength. Mm -hmm. To me, like that's what that represents. Right, yeah. Like you are to strive for quote unquote greatness Mm -hmm. as long as you are constantly casting that greatness before God. It's like the 24 elders, they have crowns. Those are their crowns, Mm. but their crowns belong to God because they belong to God and they're casting it before them. Mm. David was a king because God set him up as a king. God set us up to have a lot of dignity. And this is actually something I really want to do a podcast on is Mm. the dignity that we have through God, the way that God's designed it. Mm -hmm. Like God's design gives us so much inherent dignity, but that dignity, that glory and strength, those crowns, they belong to God because Mm. we do. And I think it's very important to explore those things and to be, like I said, to be ambitious, to be hardworking, to be competitive, as Mm. long as those things continuously belong to Christ you know you every now and again you see one of those people where it's like how do you do all of this <laughs> how are you this awesome person because they're doing it to God mm. because they're doing it through God for God that thing that they're doing belongs to God and when you really set that in your mind and in your heart it mm. empowers you to do things that you never would have done for yourself yeah as absolutely. much as you would have liked to have you still wouldn't have because <laughs> nothing Nothing is as empowering and inspiring and and creates in you discipline like God does. And so that was, I've, I noticed that correlation. So I'm really glad you brought that up. Yeah. Well, I mean, even like, because there's times where the apostles are like debating on who's the best <laughs> out of mm-hmm. all of them. Or like um, when the sons of thunder come to him with their mom and they're, mm-hmm. and they're like, make us generals at your side. Because they still don't get it. They still don't get what he's there for. And he's just like, listen. I'm guilty of that. I'm not going to lie to you right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, they. I've played that game. Yeah. I mean, but they. They were, I believe, in, in my opinion, that they're, they were still under the impression at the time that Jesus was there to save them from Rome. And that they were waiting for yes. him to do that. And I think that they were literally asking to be generals. But yes, I have been there too. But now I'm more at the place where, like, Lord, if I were just there to serve food at the table, I I would take it. Like, I'll wash the shoes, I'll scrub the floors. Just yeah. please let me in. I, I I'll do anything. Yeah. But uh, yeah. just let me sweep sweep up the kids' crumbs. I'll yeah. be happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. It's just that he was telling them that the least of you 
will be the greatest that he mm. he sets the rules for being a leader and a pastor as a servant the one yes. he's the one who's we are going to do a podcast about this absolutely this is on the list yeah yes because i think and it's very much lost on the american church mm, right now you need to think very lowly of yourself <laughs> i'm always i'm constantly like nope lower than that nope mm-hmm. lower than that <laughs> yep <laughs> yeah absolutely but you, it made you think of a lady yes there was this lady in uh our bible study and she she made this joke several times and i loved it she would say Yep, when uh, all the saints get on horseback to come and, and claim back the uh, claim the earth back for God as he leads the armies, she's like, I'll be sitting at home rocking the babies to sleep. She would say that anytime that subject came up, and I loved that. And I'm like, I hope she is. When the day comes that we're bet. all in heaven and then we come back to storm the earth, you know, mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll be at home rocking the babies. I loved that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I can't wait. I can't wait to meet yeah. all of the brothers and sisters that we don't even know about. The people who yes. hum- humbly serve the Lord and did great things for the kingdom. <laughs> I always, yeah, I always wonder that when you hear about these amazing people, you read these amazing missionary stories. Mm-hmm. And I always think these are just the ones that are recorded. Yeah. I wonder about the people that nobody knows about that did even more you know i want to meet them god knows yeah god knows them well and i can't wait to meet them i can't Mm. wait to know them yeah or even just all of our bros here in the bible (laughs) Mm -hmm. who did us a service our boy paul and i just doing this uh study some of the things that i've read and just in my other like leisurely listening and and reading about his life and his walk and this boy went through some sorrow mm-hmm. <laughs> so he went through some mean stuff and i and i'm excited to meet him one day <laughs> yeah absolutely what a man i mean mm. he gave us so much of the new testament you know uh, yeah he did so much of spreading of establishing the first church we actually so unfortunately my little nephew has has this belief in santa claus how how did this happen i don't even know but mom she bought a couple of books and she texted it to my brother and she said i'm warning you ahead of time she's like i cannot tolerate him thinking (laughs) believing in this thank god Uh, because he because he was arguing with it which he does he's he's very much he's quite sure he can argue with adults type of a type of a kid which is so funny to me because i i was never that way but um (laughs) yeah but he was arguing because uh my mom was telling him like the point of christmas is we're celebrating jesus's birthday and he was arguing like no that's not the point because he was thinking it had more to do with santa claus so she bought these books about the story of saint nicholas right that has inspired santa claus that is a mm-hmm. true story was a true person hmm. and i read this this quick little little take on his his story kind of like there's so much myth surrounding it that it's hard to know what were accurate tales and what weren't but one thing that is established is that he was a true he was a true person and he was a christian very much a christian and do you know that he lived 300 years after Jesus walked the earth. 
I did not know I that. I had no idea he was that ancient. I had no idea. That's crazy. He, and it tells where he was. I don't remember. It's a place that, you know, no longer exists. But it was a place that Paul went to and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he was like a grandson of somebody who had been alive during Jesus's time. That's so He cool. was the grandson of, yes, of somebody that was saved by Paul. You know, not by Paul, excuse me, through Paul. You know, I'm like, that's insane. I had no idea. So what he was, he was um, a priest or I guess like a pastor, you would say, of a church of God at this time in this place. And what he did was he went around um, giving people what they needed to better their lives. And that's how he became Santa Claus. That's the story of Santa Claus. That's crazy cool. Yeah. One thing that he did was he would... um, provide for children so that they wouldn't be sold into slavery. Back in the time when if your debts were too much, you had, you know, the people had the right to take your kids as slaves. And so he would work tirelessly to give people what they need so they wouldn't end up in these situations. And like, that's the story of Santa Claus. And that's the um, the little myth of like you leave uh, the tradition, I should say, the tradition that you leave like little gold covered coins in people's shoes. That comes from the story that this man had three daughters and they were so poor that they didn't have a dowry. And if you didn't have a dowry, you couldn't get married. And so his daughters were on the verge of being sold to slavery because they couldn't be married by the tradition of the place there. And so what he did was um, in the night, he snuck in and he left gold coins in each of their shoes. So they were able to be married and not be sold into slavery. And like, that's the legend. Yeah. Oh, so like man. that's the tradition of it all and i was like how beautiful is that so so she's gonna tell him that and be like this is the story of santa claus this is who santa claus was you know he went on to become this myth to, all across the globe but what he was is he was a follower and a deep lover of jesus christ mm. he was celebrating jesus christ and that's how we get christmas you know another cool and person i, I can't wait to meet <laughs> <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> oh that's so cool Yep. And humans and all their foolishness and their desperation to not worship Christ made him something he'd probably be horrified to hear yeah. about now. Like Mary, that poor woman. Yes. She's probably like shaking her head. She's like, been through <laughs> enough, man. <laughs> oh, man. You know, there are people yeah. that are alive that can that can trace uh, their lineage back to this, whichever son of Noah they came from. Yeah. In which case they can trace themselves back to Adam. Right. That's a little harder because they're the genio- like the the actual like lineage from there kind of mm-hmm. gets a little mucky. But um they, There are Jews who can though. I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it for a second. <laughs> they are the great keepers of information. It just it just goes to show you how foolish the enemy is and trying to muck up everything God's done and in the history of our world and how and it just puts to shame so many concepts yeah but you know just like the concept of slavery even like it puts that to such shame like how related are we like any kind of prejudice any kind of sexism is like put to absolute shame by that concept alone yeah the fact that we can literally account for genealogies to the beginning of humanity that's just insane um 
as we close though i want to leave i want to read uh my last scripture here i kind of oh, wanted yeah. to leave this for last mm-hmm. because we i really wanted to have the focus on what to do in worship like what is acceptable worship that was what our study was on mm-hmm. and i found this scripture that was really like what isn't worship mm-hmm. and so i just i just wanted to read this and and just kind of leave it maybe we'll talk about it if anything jumps out at us um and even if we don't just to leave it as a passing or um, an ending thought Mm -hmm. so i have here matthew 5 verses 1 through 9 then the scribes and the pharisees who were from jerusalem came to jesus saying why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands when they eat bread And he answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and your mother. And he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father or mother. Thus, you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites! Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. And I guess I just, I guess I just really wanted to, I think that's so plain and simple there putting tradition above the commandments which is a continuous problem in the church because it is a continuous problem in humanity yeah and that will make your worship vain Mm. to put your to put your traditions above the commandments i think there's a there's a lot of that i think there's always going to be sadly a lot of that Mm. but i think it's up to us individually and i think a lot of the time what this comes down to is refining Hmm. i know one thing that has been a strong point to me all my life is when i read the word of god to try and read it with a kind of a blank slate i guess and try and dive into what it says and not add to it because there's so much added that people say is like kind of reading between the lines which is just people's tradition absolutely so i just I just wanted to bring up, if you put your traditions above the commandments of God, Mm. then your worship will be in vain. Yeah, I don't think, I think we all should have a healthy fear of being that one on judgment day or God says, or Jesus says, turn away from me, I never knew you. Yeah, And that you honor me with your lips, but you don't, your Your heart is far from from me. Yeah, yeah. I don't think any of us want to be that. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talked about the importance of one thing that just jumped out to me as I was reading this. Um, We talked about the importance of worship through your lifestyle, through your deeds, which we have seen in the scripture written out over and over and over. The things that you do, the things that you say, the way that you behave, it's a reflection of what's in your heart. Um. And then the worship in the things that you say and the importance of that. And it says here, these people draw near to me with their mouth and they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me 
and in vain they worship me. So I think worship can often be defined by the things that we say and the things that we do. But if our heart is not in that worship, then whatever we're saying with our mouth is, it says it's in vain. Yeah. It just calls to mind those scriptures where Jesus is saying like using long, haughty, embellished prayers. Those aren't the words Mm. he used, but you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Just, you know, wordy prayers thinking that that's getting to him somehow. Yeah, to be seen of men. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think even just in your prayer life, if you're just saying things to say them, because God, mm-hmm. God's word is sharp and yeah, he knows. So there's always times where I'm like, Lord, I don't have many words for this. And I feel my heart being like, okay, you said the thing. And I'm like, all right, I, I don't really have to harp on this. I said the thing and he heard right, it. Right, he heard you the first time. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not to say that repeated prayer is vain. It's just no, it's prayer necessary. that your heart isn't in is you just, mm-hmm. there's no point. God heard you. He understands. The spirit is interceding for you in some mm-hmm. in these like select situations in which I am mentioning. Mm-hmm. But other than that, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it's very important to, like we're saying, to have those repetitive prayers where you constantly revisit the topic until you finally get a breakthrough, even if that breakthrough is no. Um, yeah, cause- but to continue to to you know bring up the subject until you get an answer. But like you're saying, like these long flowery words, which is almost like trying to flatter God into it, yeah. trying to convince him. If I say it the right way, maybe it will convince him. You know, I feel like that's that's kind of the line. Yeah. These long flowing prayers, you know, because they look pretty and maybe God's going to like that. Well, no, he wants the integrity. He wants the honesty. He wants where your heart truly is at. And sometimes we need to convince ourselves of it. Because we don't feel it right now. I like, and that's okay. Yeah. I like the idea of making art towards God. Yeah. And I think that um, that art can be poetry. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that's, that's a big thing with hymns and stuff too. And yeah, I think we would absolutely. be remiss if we, weren't, if we weren't going to at least mention that, oh, whatever two they were, forgive me for not knowing, whatever two apostles that were that were in prison and they were singing hymns and angels came and freed them from prison. You know what story Mm -hmm. I'm talking about? That there is a power in that and that there's a power in making that kind of poetry to God. Like I was just reading and I was just singing um, My Jesus, I Love Thee. And like that's just, it was just a poem that he wrote that he sent to his aunt and his aunt sent it to the church, and they made it into a song. Mm. There's so much influence that music has on us. I don't know that music has influence on God. I simply don't know that. I, I really don't have an inclination one way or another. But Well, the worshiping to him, obviously, has some kind of... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because it says to make melody to the Lord, you know, that they're you know, all of our voices joining in as one. So I, I think he probably does. I just don't have any scriptures to back that up. Yeah, but I know the influence influences us, but yeah, I mean, I think nobody would argue the influence that music has over us. And the way I see it is that music really opens us up 
whether that's a mental thing or a spiritual thing. I don't really know, but I think most people could agree. Yeah, probably that music really opens us up to worship, which is why there's so much hero worship of rock stars and stuff, which gets into really cultish, gross things very fast. Um, but it really opens us up to that. And so I think it's it's a very important gateway. And I think I think all art is, like you're saying. It opens us up to stuff that is beyond us. And I, I think it's very important. Thank you for joining us on this episode of From My Cup. Tune in to us Fridays, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on any of your local podcast listening stations. We thank you for being here. God bless you, and see you next time.